0: And everyone to a fabulous new episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are joined by a very special guest today. We have the artistic director, Mary Bernbaum, who's with the Opera Saratoga. She's here to talk to us about their 2024 season, which is being played at Universal Preservation Hall. The tickets and more information for the season are available at operasaratoga.org. And I do want to mention that season tickets are currently available now. So you can head over there and get your season tickets now. And it is a wonderful season, a season of winners, if you will. So we're so excited to have the artistic director here to tell us more about it. So with that, let us welcome on our guest. Mary, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper.
1: Thank you so much, Andrew. I'm so excited to talk with you about Opera Saratoga today.
0: I am so excited to have you here as well and to learn more about this great company. As we had been talking previously, when I got the press release, the first thing that caught my eye was, guys and dolls. And I was like, dad, whatever it is, I don't care. Like, here we go. We'll do it. You know, it, this this sounds amazing. The more I kept digging into it, the more I was like, oh, well, this is just a short train ride away for me. This could be fun. So I want to start by by having you share with our listeners, you know, what is, what is Opera Saratoga? What do you all do? Can you give us just like a little brief synopsis about your company?
1: Yeah, I would love to. So actually, Opera Saratoga has been around in a form or another since 1962. So this is actually our 62nd season. But it's my first season with the company. I joined in March as the general and artistic director. And because my background is really in hybrid works, works that kind of don't have a, a sort of a genre that they stay in. And and I really think opera is the ultimate map, uh, the, the maximum hybridity art form, the nexus of all the meeting places in the arts. It was my goal genre that, had a lot to do with theater and music theater and also other kinds of performance. You know, we have a, an incredible composer-performer coming who's from Brookman. She's coming and doing a concert with us. And I'm hoping it can be a place for people whose work busts open. The idea about that is opera is really just music theater. And because I'm a music theater, Fan and geek from, you know, forever. I've always wanted to direct Guys and Dolls. And I was actually supposed to direct it before the pandemic. It got pushed with, I won't even name the organization, but with Andy Einhorn, the conductor who's coming and conducting it, who you may know from his work on Hello Dolly and Carousel on Broadway. And most recently, I think he's working on Peter Pan at the National Tour. So he and I have been meaning to collaborate on this particular piece since 20, I want to say 18. And so it feels like a really nice opportunity to both give some love to a piece that we both adore and work with, because as you said, a short train ride, we have to lure you up there this summer. But it was for a long time, the gambling destination and racing and horse racing destination, obviously on the East coast. And you know, basically all of the 20th century was the hot place to put money on a a horse. And, you know, in Adelaide's lament, she says, we get off at Saratoga for the 14th time. So it just felt like, oh, my God, what a perfect match for this season. And I'm also, you know, secretly hoping that we sneak it in under the wire before the immersive guys and dolls from London comes to New York. So it's like all of the things in one delicious sort of bundle. And it made it really a tantalizing choice for for my first season.
0: I love how you talk about how you selected the shows that you're doing because I want to dive more into that and I want to know, you know, on top of Guys and Dolls, you've got a gr- a great new piece, a world premiere as well. What is the process that you you use to pick these works that you're going to do?
1: So, this first season with the company, I knew that we needed two things. We needed to give some joy to our community. I really felt like that was an important value add. And to contribute something. These two dreams of the festival, one is, one is the main stages, which are Guys and Dolls, Pussy Fantute, and a world premiere by the residents, Inti Figas Vizueta, who I'm sure your listeners might not know, but everyone should go out and hear her music immediately. It's, um, her name is Inti, I N T I Figus Vizueta. And she works a lot with new music ensembles and in a more organic way. It, she's not like a composer from on high handing down you know, something she's completely... She likes to hear what she's making alongside the making of it, which makes all the sense in the world to me as a theater person who loves process. So, so those three pieces all have to do with a central bet. Guys and Dolls has the bet that starts about cheesecake and then turns into whether Sky can take Sarah to Havana... Then And cozy has a central bet where Don Alfonso bets the two young men, Fernando and Guillermo, whether, they, whether their girlfriends would be unfaithful to them or not. Very super not sexist bets here. Ha, ha ha And then the third piece, Inti's piece, is a meta bet. It's a bet about how someone can make an opera over the course of six weeks. So we, we wanted to add joy and excitement to the season that way. Then on the flip side, we have these three Tuesday night concerts throughout the festival, Tuesday, June 4th, Tuesday, June 11th, Tuesday, June 18th, also at Universal Preservation Hall. And these concerts have a kind of a through line of healing and access to them. The first one will be Robert Whalen, the composer who is on faculty at RPI MPAC, which is another really great artistic institution upstate. He is making an opera for and by those who use assistive, oh, I don't want to get this wrong. Hold on one second. I have it right here. Alternate, Alternative Assistive Communication, or AAC for short, which is people who have synthetic voices. And this piece is a really exciting foray into how opera can actually give voice to the voiceless. It can do a service. Mark Steidl, Catherine Scovira, and Sarah Psiska are the three librettists that he's working with on that piece. We also have a Aventuriza, which is Schubert's Seminal song cycle that George Miller, who's an Albany local, actually Will Sokoloff is a bass baritone who's also playing Nathan Detroit and school, and Chris Reynolds, who's a Saratogian, are collaborating on. And it's a piece about wandering through a winter landscape and essentially male loneliness because we're right in the middle of this loneliness epidemic, as you know, I'm sure, and we all feel here in our Zoom boxes. And then finally, Catherine Brookman, as I mentioned, a composer-performer whose work really spans the gamut from, she does Meredith Monk pieces at the LA Philharmonic and she records under the name Sullivan and she's going to be singing the album that she wrote during the pandemic called I Woke Up in the Sky for us on June 18th. So these three pieces are about healing, which I think we still need to do so badly. And I think artists really can give that to the communities they come from. And the bigger pieces, the main stage pieces are about joy and excitement, the excitement of bedding gamble
0: i love all that that is so clever that is just really Thank that's you. a lot of fun i love it now i know that we are several months away from when these productions actually get up on their feet and and walk the boards if you will but as you've been working to put the season together and everything that goes with them what has it been like so far developing these three great shows and these many concerts just the season as a whole
1: I think what's been really exciting for me is the opportunity to hear what people are already working on and then try to fit that within the context of a festival. That's been like the joy of this whole thing because I think, you know, we as a producer, producers in this landscape, we create opportunities for people, but actually maybe the more sustainable and ecological way is to hear what's already growing and then to nurture that instead. So, that. so that's been really that's been very fun. We're also, the casting process has been exciting because I'm essentially casting Guys and Dolls with opera singers. Like, talk about a bit. I have Will Sokoloff as Nathan Detroit, Ariadne Grife as Miss Adelaide. And these people are people who are really excellent actors, but who have spent their careers in opera or new music. And then the person who's kind of the mo- most familiar music music theater figure for your audiences is Michaela Bennett who's been in a bunch of shows in New York including the apple tree at encores and the show at the transport group the name of which I'm forgetting right now the actual piece but she's really super special and she's got a beautiful voice and also just incredible composure she's a super young star so she'll come up and sing Sarah Brown and kind of ground the whole piece in in music theater
0: that is incredible. That sounds so, so exciting. So we've kind of touched a little bit on this next question, but you know, you've mentioned the the little bit of history that exists where your opera, where your theaters add up in Saratoga, of course, the horse races and whatnot. It is a train ride away from New York. It's not too far. but what can audiences expect this year with the season and with this great opera? that's happening upstate.
1: I think audiences can expect the unexpected. They can expect to interact. They can expect to be really dazzled by the virtuosity of the performers that we have. They can expect a live orchestra, a 15-person orchestra that, you know, is bigger than most Broadway bands. They can expect really excited and exciting young musicians. We have a core group of 18 festival artists that we bring up who are all from various training programs and are with us for the summer to really kind of test out the work that they've been doing in studios and in, you know, in music schools. And so I think the last summer, the incredible Stephen Lutbach, who composed A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder, said that it was the best version the best sung version of Gentleman's Guy that he'd ever heard so I really think like to expect the score to be rendered perfectly sonically and hopefully visually that's my job (laughs) is not not too small of an ask I will say also uh, right after he saw the show Stephen Lefebvre crazily and unexpectedly passed away this fall and so those words ring stronger as sort of a reason for giving composers a chance to hear their music you know done very well.
0: I love that yes such a sad passing with this wonderful season a season of winners as you are marketing it as is there a message or a thought you hope audiences will take away from these shows
1: what I actually hope they'll take away from these shows is the connection they feel when they're in the theater I think you know we're still in the business of reminding people why it's important to go to the theater and why like live live performance deserves a place in American culture. And, you know, it's all well and good to go to a Taylor Swift concert where you're so far away from the action, but you and I know the experience of breathing together in a room and laughing together and crying together is absolutely ineffable. And what I'm, I'm also really hoping that a lot of people who don't think they like opera come and experience what it can be what the genre can be and sort of start to turn that around so those are the two the two tasks I have in mind
0: I love that love that I now want to just ask my final question for the first part and I have a oh I don't know what the answer is going to be but who do you hope have access to this wonderful season happening up at Universal Preservation Hall
1: well so actually we're doing a, a bunch of initiatives to increase access this year and honestly Andrew if I had my druthers I would make the whole thing free and you know try to get everybody and their mother there We actually did that with a family show. We ran this incredible opera called The Selfish Giant based on this Oscar Wilde short story for free last summer for eight performances. And we, this upcoming summer, we are running two, at least two family performances in mornings during the season that are completely free of charge. They are not of full shows, but of smatterings of each show so that if you like the whole thing, you can come back and and see it again. The... People in Saratoga, those who love opera, those who are all over the Capital Region, which is, you know, we consider our service area to be the Capital Region in upstate New York, which is Albany, Schenectady, Warren County, Ulster County, basically everywhere around Saratoga Springs, the Lake George area, too, because that was our original founding place. But this year, also, we're going to run a high schoolers ticket initiative, and we have student rush seats. So... No one should be shut out for lack of funds. And we're working on increasing the amount of access, physical access in the hall as well. We have an elevator, which works pretty well, but we, you know, where the ADA seats are. We also have super titles, which is a really good thing for, you know, not all theater has that and opera does. So that's, for us, it's like a very wonderful way of, continuing a tradition and also increasing access for those who have you know uh, problems with their hearing so that's that's who I hope has access I hope you know in the future I really would love to live stream events and so I hope even more people can have access but for this summer it's going to be anybody who can come to Saratoga Springs there are buses there are cars there are trains come one come all
0: second part of our interview, we'd love to give our listeners a chance to get to know our guests a little bit better, pull the curtain back, if you will. And I love the fact that this is your first year as the artistic director at this wonderful opera company, but you've mentioned several times that you have roots in the theater, which I adore. So I want to start by asking you, what are who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows have inspired you in the past, or are just some of your favorites?
1: Oh my gosh! Okay, there's so many. My sort of favorite favorite theatrical experiences have been when I witnessed theater companies performing. So, for example, Manouchehine Stats with Uchelet, Complicité, Simon McBurney's company, Big Iron. I always love seeing them. I loved Jeff Sobel's food that just happened at BAM. I was really taken by the whole experience. Some more experimental work that's developed collaboratively, I would say. Manushkin is like a big hero of mine, as is, as is Ann Bogart, thinking about the way they create work and the sort of connections between the companies being as important, or between the people who are working being as important as what ends up on stage. In terms of theater that I've seen recently and loved, you know, I loved the band's visit. I actually love Days of Wine and Roses. I love music that that takes us kind of out of the theatrical idiom. Bridges in Madison County is like one of my all-time favorites. And I'm really excited to see the Jason Robert Brown piece at MCC um, in January. And I really came from, so I trained at École Jacques Lecoq, which is a French school of mime and movement, mimesis they call it. And Julie Taymor trained there. Uh, Jeffrey Rush trained there. So it's a place where people get a background in devising. And I brought that background into my work in New York in a theater company that I ran called Art Party Theater. And that company, for three years, we did pieces all over the city in parks and people's apartments. And it was site-specific installation work but it really more than that it was like audience interactive so we had audience light Duchess of Malfi a production of Duchess of Malfi that I directed with flashlights the entire time and there was a sort of a mechanism that changed throughout but it was about how collective attention gets focused and how the audience has more power I think than they know so I'm hoping that that kind of work I know that that work is translated into my opera work and I'm looking forward to kind of enacting it as a at a festival level you know at the whole company level
0: i love that list some wonderful names and shows on that that is a fabulous list
1: thanks
0: out of curiosity have you seen any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners
1: oh totally i've seen that i've just loved well i heard i actually didn't see it but i heard sad boys in harpy land which just closed was phenomenal I loved Kimberly Akimbo. I thought it was so sweet and special. I... What else have I seen recently? Seen some, oh, you know what was so great, was, which was just at the Met, was Malcolm X, the Anthony Anthony Davis piece. That was incredible. I'm going to see Magic Flute there next week. It's just, there's so much good stuff happening in New York right now. I found this fall, like the Annie Baker play that was at the, the Atlantic Infinite Life was so special and powerful. I can't wait to see Appropriate. Yeah, all of these all of these pieces. I'm not really looking forward to the Uncle Vanya that's going to happen at like at center. There's just so much. I feel like there's so much going on. And what we really need to do is like all bring friends that don't go to the theater to the theater, because for us, it's like this feast, but you know, you still see the audiences as being two thirds full. And you're like, this is, this is historic. Like, how can we not celebrate the work that's actually happening right now?
0: Absolutely, I mean, perfectly said. I, I couldn't agree more. As we look forward to the spring, not just on Broadway but off and other arts forms, it is just a, a a celebration of riches. On that, well, what is your favorite part about working in the theater?
1: Oh my gosh, my favorite part, as you probably appreciate, my favorite part about working in the theater is working in the theater. Right, like that's the best thing when you get to work. I think. I think the unique pressure we put on ourselves to make something that feels really special and that feels like no one has done it before. Of course, you know, humans have been doing it for millennia, telling stories with each other, but that every day is kind of inc- new and particular and unexpected. And whether that's our own sort of perception of whether it is unexpected or whether it actually is different from any other day, that is. I think the sort of sense of ritual and the sense of surprise going hand in hand is my favorite part of this.
0: I love that answer. I completely share that with you a hundred and ten percent, and that is a wonderful answer. Oh, and thanks, Andrew. to my favorite question to ask guests, which is, what is your
1: favorite theater memory? Oh, my gosh, it's a really hard one, actually. There's so many that are so. You know, my favorite theater memory as a goer, as an audience member, is probably seeing LaShans and Lilius White and Darius DeHaz and all those people in the initial, Jerry Dixon in the original cast of Once on this Island as a kid. That was really like the most incredible electric feeling I think I've still ever had in the theater. As as an artist, Honestly I'm really looking forward to so I'm directing a new oratorio at the New York Philharmonic in the end of February early May early March rather February 29th to March 1 and I'm really enjoying it's not really a memory it's really like what's happening now but I'm really enjoying the process of working on that piece because it feels in some way like we're making a We're working on a very intensive projection design for it, Josh Higgison, the production designer, and I. And the process of reconstructing this era, so it's about in the 1930s, I don't know if you know this, I didn't, an incredible Chinese prime minister signed a bunch of sort of get out of Germany and Austria visas for, for Jews and brought them to Shanghai. And so 20,000 Jewish people lived in Shanghai from the years like 1937 to like 1943. Many left in 43 and then some stayed on through the war and and some still live there actually. And some families became either mixed race or like entirely Chinese, which is so, so cool. So the process for that has been a lot of research and we're putting together this projection design, which is a 90 minute long projection design based on that time period in Shanghai. And I haven't been to Shanghai since 2015. I was actually supposed to go this fall because it premiered there as just a concert, but the visas ended up getting messed up. And obviously, as you can imagine, it's not a great time to travel to China. China. So that that got the kibosh, but putting together this video has been so it like really has called me back to the roots of why I do this, which is like storytelling collaboratively, multiple points of view on one story, and how we can find something that feels really honest through something that we has been reflected in the world. So that maybe maybe that's my favorite memory right now. My anti-memory.
0: <laughs> I love that though those two were wonderful. I love those. Thank you so much for sharing.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Andrew.
0: Well, do you or Opera Saratoga have any other projects or productions coming down the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you?
1: Oh, I love that. So basically, we are—we just got a NISCO grant for this incredible opera that I mentioned to do a workshop of this opera called *The Other Side of Silence* by Robert Whalen and the librettist I mentioned before, for those with with loss of language or language aphasia disorders. And that will happen at RPI MPAC in October of 2024. We're also doing a Juilliard concert series in Saratoga at Cafe Lina, where a couple of my students from Juilliard, Siobhan Lloyd and Cesar Andres Pereño, are coming up and singing concerts, recitals of material that they choose. They're programming it themselves. And that's on February 4th and April 7th. And also on the Opera Saratoga website, operasaratoga.org.
0: That is amazing. That all sounds fantastic. I love all this.
1: And a great
0: lead in to my final question, which is if our listeners would like more information about the 2024 Opera Saratoga season or about you, maybe they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do so?
1: They can do so via info at operasaratoga.org. They can email us as well as on our website. There's a form to fill out if, if they want to get in touch. Again, www.operasaratoga.org. And you can find me at my website, maryburnbomb.com.
0: Wonderful. Well, Mary, thank you so much for taking the time today to speak with me. This has been an absolute joy. I am so excited about the upcoming season happening up in Saratoga. And I can't wait to see all the many successes that come from this season and the many others under your direction. So thank you very much. We can't wait to have you up
1: there. Oh, thank you so much for
0: having me we can't wait my guest today has been the artistic director of opera saratoga mary birnbaum she stopped by to talk to us about their upcoming 2024 season which is playing at universal preservation hall you can get your tickets and more information by visiting operasaratoga.org and again to note Season tickets are now on sale. So head on over there get your season ticket. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful season up at Universal Preservation Hall with Opera Saratoga. We also have some other contact information for our guests and the company that we'll be posting on our episode description as well as on our social media posts. But right now, head over to their website. Get your tickets for this wonderful season. Escape the city in the summer. Head up to where it's cooler and beautiful and rustic, and you're going to want to take it all in with these wonderful shows. Being directed and selected by first year artistic director Mary Birnbaum. It's Opera Saratoga at Universal Preservation Hall. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies and keep talking about the theater.
1: In a stage whisper.
0: Thank you. you like what you hear please leave a five star review like and subscribe you can also find us on facebook and instagram at stage whisper pod and feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stage at gmail.com and be sure to check out our brand new website for all things stage whisper and theater you'll be able to find merchandise tours tickets and more simply visit stagewhisperpod.com.